Welcome to Potential You, where we help bring your vision to life by giving you access to some of the greatest minds and timeless strategies that have built successful organizations from the ground up. You can follow us on Instagram, YouTube, and every major podcast platform. Here's your host, my favorite man in the world, my husband, Alex Klott. Let's get it. All righty, welcome to Potential You. We've got one of my best friends, John Soriano, here with us. We are here to help you, all of you listening, reach your full potential as visionaries. And I'm sitting here with a visionary who didn't just have a dream, but actually actioned that dream and made it happen. So, John, it is an honor to have you here. So before I talk all about you, um, thank you for being here. And uh, John and I have known each other for, gosh, since 2014. Is that what we're saying? Eight years? About eight years. Yep, eight years. Wild, wild. And uh, John is a, I didn't know him at the time as a husband, because he's a husband now, didn't know him as a father. He is a father now, an incredible one at that, both of those. Um, and another one on the way, which is very exciting. Um, yep. But he, when I knew him, John was a United States Marine, served from 2011 to 2015. So he was a former Marine. And John, thank you for your service. Uh, thank I you. know it's not an easy thing, but we're great, grateful that you did. And we met because you started your entrepreneurship journey in 2014. So we'll, we'll talk maybe a little bit about that. Um, is currently the regional manager at Legacy Power, which is the number one private solar company in the nation, no big deal, um, and runs the number one region in the company. So kind of a big deal. Has won the biggest sales competition in solar the last three years in his company and is in the Hall of Fame at Legacy, one of only 10 people. And the reason is because the dude has built an organization now responsible for 100 people, which is pretty wild, and doing about 200, helping about 200 people go solar every month, which is kind of at scale, absolutely insane. So, John, we are honored to have you here. Thank you so much for for being with us. You want to tell people how we first met? Yeah. Yeah, of course. Well, first of all, I just want to say thank you, Alex. Thanks for having me on here. You know, you're someone that I know along the journey has always believed in me and uh, help draw out the gold um, really that that's in me. So I just want to honor you for that and thank you and love what you're creating here with uh, Potential You um, because everybody does have potential, right? It's a matter of unlocking that potential. So, you know, everyone can become the best version of of themselves. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, we first started, uh, I guess we, we first met back in our network marketing days. So that's where Alex and I have our background. Uh, we worked for a company called Vima, uh, sold fancy uh, energy cans, uh, which Heck back yeah. then was like the hottest thing with like young adults. They're, um, they're about the price of a gallon of gas now, huh? They are. They are. <laughs> yeah. And I would say I'm still a loyal customer to this day. Come on, uh, I yeah, still have are. a pack of Vima Verve at my house. Too bad uh, but that's grade. where we started. You know, I, I remember uh, that's where I learned a lot about public speaking. That's where I learned a lot about uh, the art of selling, the art of recruiting, the art of persuasion, which I believe are great skill sets to have. It's crazy how often people tell me like, oh, I could never sell. I could never I could never do what you do. Right. Like I, I do door to door sales now. And it's just insane to me because in my own mind, I'm like, you do realize that right now you're trying to sell me on why you're not good at selling. <laughs> Because everything in life's a sale. And yeah. I remember Vima helped teach us that. And that's where you and I started, Alex. And mm. I'm grateful for that experience. I uh, learned a ton in those what, well, I did network marketing for about two, three years. So very yeah. grateful for that, uh, for, for that period as well. Um, yeah. And then after that, I know uh, that's when I started to do uh, 
Shortly after that, I started to do an internship at uh, the church Alex and I go to, learned tons there as well. And I got into solar in 2016 is when I got into solar. And it's just been such a roller coaster for the last Crazy, uh, years in the solar industry. Crazy. Uh, lots of ups and downs, and, but I've learned also a ton um, through through this industry. Yeah. Yeah. Eight years. Crazy. Crazy how time flies. And, uh, and now we got families and stuff, which is pretty wild. Yep. But yep. enough about me, enough about how we met. Let's talk about the background of, of your life and kind of how you got to where you are. Because I think, once again, potentially we want to, if you're listening, we, we want to make sure that you understand that, you know, John is not an overnight success. None, none of the people that we will have here are overnight success, unless you count, you know, 10 years in overnight success. Um, and the journey that he went on is one that we all have to go on if yep. we want to see our visions fulfilled. And so it's important, as John's about to share, to to kind of lean into some of these details. And and, and we'll pause at some yeah. of the moments in his story to, to really, you know, dive into what are those key decisions? What are those key moments that actually could have broken him, but actually made him. So John, uh, tell us a bit more about, about your background and how you got to where you are today. Yeah, of course. I mean, I love what you said about overnight success. Um, you know, they're actually, they did kind of a study, whatever you want to call it, where uh, they said that the average, quote unquote, overnight success is 10 years. Um, it takes somebody, like if you look at anybody who's successful now, it took him on average 10 years to to hit this point where society calls him successful. And what's wild to me is that, you know, the term success is subjective. You know, somebody might see 100 grand as successful. Somebody might see a million as successful. Someone might see time freedom as successful. And, and really, in my in my opinion, how I define success, successful is having time freedom. I ultimately believe that that is the real definition of success, you know, being able to truly live your life how you want to live it. Because there's a lot of people out there who make a lot of money, but don't have a lot of time, right? Or they make a million dollars, but they don't really get to see their kids, their family, because they're always working. They're relying on their skill sets. They're relying on their own hands, their own minds to, to bring in the income. So, I love, I love, uh, I love how you said that because it's true. I mean, uh, the average overnight success takes takes many years, and so for me, the first few years I got into into entrepreneurship, it uh, it was very messy. Um, my first like in Vima, so I did network marketing for two years. My best month ever, I made a thousand dollars, and I was stoked. But let's be real, a thousand dollars a month doesn't really do much for you. You know, you you don't have many options when it comes to a thousand dollars a month. But that was my best month in Vima in the in the two to three years that I did it. Um, but with hindsight, looking back at it now, I gained much more than that thousand dollars because we have to understand that when we go on this journey, a lot a lot of the times we think or we measure our success by how much money we're making. That's how a lot of us measure our success. But there's so many intangibles that now looking back, I'm like, wow, I actually won or I earned a lot more than I did. Back when we did Vima, I re- now I can look back at it and say, it was those experiences that helped me with public speaking. It was those experiences that helped me with the art of recruiting. Like all of these things are so important when you're running really any organization, whether you're in business, yeah. whether you're in entertainment, whether you're in the government, right? All the, Whether you're a father or a husband, like now that I'm a yeah. dad, for example, I have to persuade my four-year-old on why he should go to bed at 730. Right. Yeah. Or I have to persuade him on why reading is more important than the iPad. Right. And and it's important that I understand <laughs> the psychology of the mind and I understand how to persuade and influence him because he's my son. So this goes far beyond just business. Of course, I mainly use it for business. Uh, but, you know, going back to the whole journey thing, 
I'm grateful that I learned those things because now I am at a point where my income matches my skill set. But it's not always that way. The first few years are always mm. tough. Anyone that I've talked to that is in a good place financially now um, is uh, always had a rough start, you know. And that yeah. was my that was my journey. I remember I was homeless for like three days until a buddy of mine took me in, you know. And that was like my rock bottom. But I'm glad I stayed the course, you know, because that's what it, that's what you got to do. You got to be persistent. You got to be resilient. Um, you just got to go through the mud. But what's on the other side is always so beautiful. And when you unlock that potential, when you see that best version of who you can be, it is just so beautiful. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit, John? I remember just because I, I, we've known each other for so long. I remember, I, I don't remember exactly how long it was, whether it was like 12 months, 16 months, 18 months of that. For, it, or really, it was, it was kind of those first two years, I think you said of being in solar that was just so hard because you you were making that transition. I think that's like a, a key a key moment in your story where it could have kind of gone two ways. Like you, you yeah. were, we were kind of coming out of network marketing. We were like, all right, we're done with this. Like, we're just done with this. We've got to do something different. Yep. And you were just getting into solar and you were coming out of obviously the military, you were going to school, but you weren't fully satisfied with just going to school and getting the money to do that from the military and you, you, right. you wanted to make something work. So can you talk about kind of that time period of like, and when we lived together, like just that, that mess that it was where it was like, you could have gone two ways. You really yeah. could have. And, and, and kind of what that looked like in there and your mindset going through that. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So I remember, I'll say this, when I first got out of the military, um, I made a commitment to myself that I'm like, I never want to work. I never want to trade my time for dollars. Right. You know, in this world, there's four ways you can make money. You can either trade your time for dollars. You can trade your skill set for dollars. You can build a business or a system. And then that makes you money or your money goes, your money goes and makes you money. And I've realized I was like, okay, after four years of being owned by the government, I'm like, I never want to feel that way again. Like the Marine Corps was great for me. I'm very blessed for it. But I worked 14 hour days just to make $3,000 a month. Right. And uh, somebody controlled what I got to do. So uh, when I made that, when I, when I got out of the military, I said, hey, I don't want to do this. So that's what got me into marketing and then ultimately solar. And solar is a 100% commission only job, right? So you, you know, we say like you, you eat what you kill, right? And in the beginning, I had a huge learning curve. I had to learn how to, I had to learn the art of communication on the doors, um, you know, especially in the San Diego market, uh, you have to be very sharp. You have to know the product really well because people are quick to shut you down. So I, I had to learn that aspect. I also had to learn the product itself, right? Solar, solar in, in itself is also a com complex product. I had to understand how, you know, the net metering policies in, in this state. Um, and then really the most difficult thing for me back then was gaining that confidence. Because I really believe, like, you can't fake true confidence. I, yeah. I With hindsight, I'm, I'm now able to see that true confidence actually comes through a lot of failure. Because mm. you experience wow. failure enough, and as long as you don't give up, eventually something clicks in you. Some, something, something in you goes, you know what? I have failed many times, and yet here I am. So why am I now scared of this challenge that's ahead of me? And, and now I have that. Like, you can take everything away from me today, but because I have failed so much, because I've gotten rejected so much on the doors, I've, I've heard the word no 20 times, 30 times, 50 times more than I've heard the word yes. I have this confidence in me that I'm like, hey, I can get through this. 
Why? Because when I look back on my life, I've gone through every other challenge. So why mm-hmm. would this one be any different? But yeah. in the beginning, you don't have that. In the beginning, right, you have this fear. You, you know, you're like, oh, will I really make it, right? The doubts in your mind are really, really big. So the first two years, um, well, it really was about the first 13, 14 months, I struggled really hard. My first year in solar, I made about eight to $10,000. I mean, it's hard to live in California with eight to $10,000, <laughs> yeah. but I made the best of it. You know, I lived below my means. I ate ramen and mac and cheese for weeks on end that time. Um, you know, I had to find back then I had to find weird babysitting gigs and weird jobs just to kind of like, you know, at least have enough to keep keep uh, to keep going. But in those 13 months, I learned a lot about perseverance. I learned a lot about also my skill set of, you know, figuring solar out. And I remember for me, my my low point was when I got kicked out of the house I was at. So I, I so when Alex and I were roommates uh, shortly after Elise ended, I had to find a new place. So luckily I had a military family that took me in and, uh, you know, cause I, I was, so I actually went bowling with them and on, on our way back, I was telling them about how I need to find a new place. And they were very gracious. They said, Hey, you know, you can stay with us for three months. We'll give you rent for very, very cheap. I think if I remember correctly, they were charging me like 200 bucks a month in California and wow. San Diego, $200 a month. I had my own room. Like that's pretty legit. Wow. So yeah. I was like, yes, sign me up. Thank you. So they took me in for three months. And five months later, I was still there. And finally, the the his uh, the guy he sent me down. He's like, "Hey, listen, we said three months. It's been five. Like, you have to go find something. We're gonna give you into until the end of the month. Uh, but after that, like, like respectfully, we have to tell you that you have to go. Which was fair, right? They were they were married. They were now expecting a child. So I totally understood. And uh, well, the day came for me to leave, and I had nothing. Um, because I had no money. Wow. I had like $12 in my bank account. And I remember I lied to them because they asked me, they're like, hey, so do you have somewhere to go? I'm like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, yeah, me and my buddy, we're going to sign a lease and we're, we're good. And I had nowhere to go. Wow. And so I packed my few belongings that I had. Uh, now, this is about 13, this is about a year, maybe yeah, about a year or so in the solar. And I remember I packed my little belongings that I had. I got in my 2001 Ford Mustang and I just drove away. And as I'm driving, I'm like, shoot, what am I going to do? Like, where am I going to go? And fortunately, a few days prior to that, um, I actually, uh, I had the keys to uh, the office at Legacy. The, the manager at the time, he had given me the keys to go get something and I hadn't returned in the keys yet. So I was like, oh, wait a minute. There's a couch at the office. I can just go sleep there tonight, be out of there by like 6 a.m. so nobody can see me. And so that, that night, remember I drove there. Uh, I went in the office. I made sure everything was locked because I was like, I was so embarrassed. If somebody came in and found me there, I would just be embarrassed. And that night, I still remember vividly. I remember that night I, uh, I, I used a sweatshirt as a pillow and I used my towel as a blanket. And I just cried myself to sleep, just cried myself to sleep saying like, wow. how the heck did I get here? Like, what am I going to do? And I, I was forced to either say, I'm going to give up and go do something else, or I'm just going to keep going until I figure it out. And for three nights, I remember I slept there. And every night I cried myself to sleep because I was like, what am I going to do? And I remember I was so afraid for somebody to come in. And so I would leave every day by like 6, 6, 6.30 because I was afraid that, you know, somebody that else had the keys would come in and, and they would, you know, discover me and I'll be embarrassed. So until a buddy of mine, he took me, he found out I was doing that. And he's like, no, dude, come crash on my couch. 
And uh, uh, I ended up crashing at his couch for now three months. And those three months also sucked. It's pretty embarrassing. You know, I was 25 years old, I believe at the time, uh, 31 now, but I was 25. And it's pretty embarrassing to sleep on a friend's couch for three months. You know, like I had no sense of privacy. But those three months were so pivotal for me because I, my back was up against the wall and I knew I had to figure it out. And uh, fortunately, I did. I, I finally, solar, I started clicking. I started getting very confident on the doors. People were starting to say yes to me more often. Um, you know, there was a little bit of help from the big man upstairs as well. And just <laughs> things started to uh, progress and flow. And wow. um, to, to kind of end this story, I remember that I was finally able to afford my own apartment. And I moved in like first night. And the first night I was there, all I had was the few clothes that the few clothes I had and this broken beat up lamp uh, as a light. And that <laughs> night, I remember I slept the same way I slept in the office. And I, mm. I laid out a, I laid out a blanket underneath. I, I didn't have a bed laid out. So I had my own room finally, but I could afford it. I could finally afford my own apartment in California. I laid out my blanket underneath. I put a I put a sweatshirt again as my pillow and a towel again as my blanket. And that night, I also cried myself to sleep. But this time, it was actually tears of joy because wow. I was so grateful that I finally had a roof over my head, my own roof, my own roof that I afforded on my own. Because for the last three to four months, I had been practically homeless. I didn't have a place to call home, right? I slept in the office for those three days. Then I was crashing on my buddy's couch. And I was just, I remember I cried. Although I didn't have any furniture, I had—I didn't have a bed, I didn't have a drawer. And I remember I cried uh, because I was just so grateful that I'm like, I have my own door. I have privacy again. And from there on, that was like maybe end of, that was like, that was like middle of seven, 2017 or so. But I remember from, from there on, everything just started to grow. And that's, that's when I caught my stride. And I remember like, I kept, I, I would upgrade my room very small, like a week or two. I did that for like a week, a week or two later, I finally got a bed and it was like a crappy bed, but I was so grateful that at least I had a bed. And then literally ever since then, I just been on the up and up and, you know, and, you know, success looks a, a little bit like this, like you go up and then you go down a little bit, but then you go back up and then you go down. And it was more of that. But mm -hmm. that year, year and a half, I feel like in, in, in solar really gave me the strong foundation of having confidence in myself, because although I never want to go through that again, it was yeah. like a really crappy 12 to 14 months. I do. I now have that in me that I'm like, well, if I need to go through it again, I've done it before. So yeah. why can I do it again? Yeah. Wow. That's, that is a wild story, man. I mean, every time I hear your story, it just, it, you know, it's like anything's possible, you know, anything's possible. If you're willing to go through it. What was that? And then we'll get into some of these, some of these rapid fire questions. What, what was that like those three months? Because I feel like that's probably where, you know, everyone has to go through those three months in some way, shape or form in their life like that. That has to happen, like you said, to get on the other side. But what what do you think it was that clicked for you? Do you think it was just a matter of the the reps that you had done and the amount of experience that you've had and the failures that it finally kind of hit critical mass and you started to get your groove? Or how did you basically have the confidence in those three months while you're in a, you know, pretty bad place, you know, in terms of your circumstances and money in your banks? I think once again, everyone has to go through a, a version of that where your external circumstances shouldn't give you confidence internally 
and yet you still prevail. Like you still have to go through it and you still have to build. Was there anything, what, what was it do you think that, that kept you through that? Uh, well, first and foremost, I got to give credit uh, to where credit is due. And it was my faith in Christ. It was my faith in God. Uh, that will that was number one, really what got me through it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's I actually think about it from time to time. I'm like, I really like the people who don't believe in God. I don't I don't understand how they can do sales, but like power to them. <laughs> but I would say number one, that was it. It was just believing in the promise and the future that was in store for me because I could see it, right? You, you have to have vision. Mm-hmm. First of all, you have to there know you where you're going. And I knew, I knew the lifestyle that solar could create for me, you know, to, just to give everybody context as well. You know, solar has the ability to generate, like you can make multiple six figures. I've been blessed to clear well over seven figures now in my five years in solar. Um, last year was like my, my, be- my best year yet in solar. I was like, 200,000 away from doing a million in a year. I'm actually going Come for on. a million uh, this year as well. And I'm, I'm on track for it so far. We're almost done with quarter one. Uh, but solar does have that potential. Now, it's a lot of hard work. Door-to-door sales is very, very tough, especially in, in our market that's very saturated. Um, so I knew because I saw other people in the industry that were winning. I saw other people that were, you know, living a lifestyle of abundance. And that's what I wanted. I wanted a lifestyle of abundance. And it's not it's not because money makes you happy, but I just truly believe that money gives you more options in life. Yeah. And I want to have those options. Right. I don't want to have to choose between a steak dinner or a chicken dinner. Right. Like if I want the steak, I want to freaking get the steak. Like that's yeah. it, right? You know, and especially now that I'm a father, like I'm blessed. I don't have to, you know, only send my kids to public school. Like, hey, if I want to send my kids to a a nice private school, right? Cool. Like I'm I'm blessed that I have that option. There are some parents out there, for example, who probably don't want to send their kids to public school. They maybe they want to send them to a a private school, a Christian school, a Montessori school, but they unfortunately don't have the options because of their economic means. So um, I had to hold on to that promise. I had to hold yeah. on to that vision yeah. of living a life of abundance. So, so that's important. really what that's really what got me through. But but yeah. also you said it earlier, it was also the reps, right? I just like you have to do reps, right? It's like it's like the gym. You can't control like if you work out, you can't control when you'll get the muscles. Like you just can't. Like you just have to do the reps long enough. You have to also make sure the reps hurt, right? Because if I go to the gym and I lift just enough to um, you know, barely feel a little bit of pain, I also won't grow regardless of how often I go to the gym. When you go to the gym, you have to do a lot of reps, but they also have to be good reps to where it actually hurts your body, right? You feel a soreness and you yeah. do it long enough. Again, you can't control it. And it's different. Some people go to the gym for one week and you can tell. Some people go to the gym for three <laughs> months and you can't tell, right? Everybody, just like how every physical body is different, I think it's the same thing in this journey. Mm. And so eventually I just I just had to do enough reps and I couldn't control when that time would be. I just mm. had to trust that it would happen in the time it needed to happen. Because the truth is, had I seen the financial results from it, maybe three months in, like six months in, maybe, who knows, maybe I wasn't, my character wasn't built enough to be able to sustain that growth. Like my one yeah. of my mentor, one thing he taught me is, you know, for every 50 people that can handle adversity, only one person can handle true prosperity. And I understand because sometimes when you start making money, when you're, when you have the status and the title and all that, it, and the accolades, it can get to your head. 
right? And then now you start thinking entitled. Now you start, you know, you, you start loving, you start loving the things more than the journey itself. So I'm mm. actually grateful that I earned it in the time that I did, because I think I was being developed to have the character to be able to not just get the success, right? But to, but, but to be able to retain it as well, yeah. which I have over the years, you know, I know that's one thing I pride myself off in this industry is I've seen many people who are way more talented than me, have success for a year, but then they lose it. And then they, they have one big team and then their team and then loses. You know, I've been able to be consistent. I haven't been the type of person who has been like number one necessarily, but I have been the most consistent over the years. And like my path looks like this, you know, it's been, yeah. I, it's been, it's been slow, but it's definitely been sustainable over the yeah. years. So really? yeah, just having that belief and just the reps, just keep doing yeah. it until, in, just until it happens. I love it. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta keep hold of the vision and you gotta get the reps in. Gotta get the reps in. Gotta get the reps. Well, I love it. So let's, let's get into some of these kind of part two of the interviews. Some of these rapid fire questions, you don't have to be rapid fire, but they, um, some of them are just quicker, obviously than your whole backstory. Sure. Um, so what do you see now as kind of the vision for the future? Um, based on what you're doing right now, not just in solar, but just in general, your life, sure. what your purpose is, um, how do you see the future looking different based on what you're building now? Yeah, no, great, great question. So for me, um, where I get more passionate, like my, the thing that I love the most is seeing lives transformed. Um, you know, that's also why I love being a father now. I love knowing that I get to impact somebody's life. Uh, and I and I do my best to be there for him and, and teach him how to be a man and, and all those things. So really for me, like uh, what, what the future holds is I, I really want to transform lives. So like right now, the name of our region is called Valor. And a lot of that has to has, it comes from this story where, you know, there was a leader that transformed 400 men, transformed them from men that were broke and debt. Uh, discontent with life and made them into mighty men of valor. And I know that's my calling. My calling is to transform people's lives. So that's really where I get, that's really where, where I get a lot of joy. So really for me, the future is to have a organization that is transformative, not just from a financial sense, but also from a character sense. Like I want to see, you know, men who are single become married and, and men who are married become the best possible husbands. And also men who are married, but want to be fathers, right? Become the best possible fathers and et cetera. So I know for me, like right now, I'm putting a lot of my, a lot of my focus in my son and my marriage. Um, I'm blessed to be in a situation where I, I have like uh, a really great income that comes in, but also with a lot of time freedom. Like I'm blessed that I can work from home if I want to, where my paycheck doesn't necessarily rely on my own abilities to go out there and be able to produce. And which which what that allows me to do is spend time with my family because I I think my biggest my, my biggest um, I want my biggest accomplishment to be. Uh, the impact that I make in my marriage and then also my children, because my children right. will live beyond me. Yeah. And I want that to be the number one thing that I, I was most successful at, you know, raising ki uh, children that go out there and change the world. Come on. And you're doing it, man. You're doing it. You got the cutest, cutest little boy and another on the way. Um, yes, yes, what, yes. What would you say is right now the biggest challenge that you're facing? Yeah. So that's an easy one for me. The biggest challenge is uh, uh, scaling. Um, mm. And also my own personal one is delegation. Mm. Um, I think every leader struggles with delegation yeah. um, because all of us believe this lie that nobody can do it as good as I can. 
And uh, I know for my first two, three years or so that I was in a leadership position, um, I struggled hard with delegation. I struggled hard. Like I, I was like, I gotta do everything. I got, I gotta run the interviews. I gotta run the sales meeting. I gotta be out there leading from the front. I, I have to be. I have to understand everything. I have to take every phone call. Me, 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 me. And it really stemmed from a fear of if I, if I allow others in, uh, number one, I might feel that they don't need me anymore. And uh, number two, uh, I also thought that they might not do it as well as as me, which might cause me to lose some people because they're not getting, you know, a great service, whatever you want to call it. So I know for me, my biggest challenge has been that. And I've made a massive pivot in the last few months, I would say eight months or so, uh, to be better at delegating, to be better at raising up people, to empower people, to tell my leaders like, hey, um, you know, I need you to go do, I need you to go do this. And whether they do a good job or a bad job at it, still give them that responsibility and still give them constructive feedback. And I have to fight myself as well from <laughs> not wanting to step in and, and kind of take over it. So I know that's my yeah. own personal stuff um, because we want to scale, right? And in order to scale, you can't do it alone. Like yeah. no great organization out there was built on one person. Um, you know, there's a saying that goes, if you want to go, if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go with people. And it's so true. And I know that's my biggest uh, challenge right now is just scaling. But in order for me to scale, I have to be willing to share the platform more. I have to be willing to empower others. I have to be willing to allow others to make mistakes, even if it costs me something. But just know yeah. that it is for the greater good, because ultimately, by doing that, that's how we'll be able to scale. That's how we'll go from, you know, averaging two to 250 a month to then averaging 500 to then one day 1,000 to then day 2,000, you know, because there's no way I can do it by myself. And even if I can do it by myself, I would just get burnt out. I would probably have no life. I would have no yeah. time with my family, which is also what I don't want. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, and that's always yeah. the leader's biggest challenge. As they grow and scale, you got to delegate and, uh, and you're doing it, man. I mean, 200 is no small thing, so 500 on the way. Um, what yeah. would you say as you've grown, what would have been maybe the top one, maybe two in your personal life and then organizationally key habits that have produced the greatest return for you? Um, things that you've done consistently that you would say move the needle the most. Uh, personal development, first and foremost, for sure. Um, having a habit of pouring into you. Um, you know, there's a reason why when we go on the airplane, they tell us, you know, if the altitude drops, you know, put a mask on yourself. They, 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 they say that because if that happens and you're, you're gasping for air, it is hard to help somebody else that maybe can put a mask on themselves, right? So that's why I said, hey, take care of you because if you can breathe, then you can help others breathe Great. a lot more effectively. And yeah. I think I think that's kind of what personal development is, right? Because you have to pour into you first. You can't give what you don't have. So for me over the years is having a habit of develop, uh, personal development. Now that comes in many forms. Like for example, I'm not much of a reader. Like I just don't read, you know, as much. My wife loves to read. I'm not a reader. I'm not like you give me a book, it'll take me six months to finish it sometimes, you know? <laughs> um, so I'm more of a, I'm more like, uh, like my best form of learning, I guess, is just through doing it. But also like I, I do listen to podcasts. I watch videos online. I, uh, you know, I love to watch documentaries, stuff like that, like, you know, on, on other people. So, but you have to have some habit of, of learning, whether that's again, through a video, through reading, through a podcast, through audible, audible has been great. Like I've actually read yeah. 
funny saying that I've read yeah. more books on Audible than I've read like actually in in paper. Yeah. Uh, because by you doing that, you're you're transforming your mind, and then now you're able to pour into others based on what you are uh, listening to that day. So I would say that would be the number one habit is just really transform your mind because. I would say half the battle in, in having success in anything is your mindset. I really, yeah. I really do think that like your mindset will be either your biggest ally or your biggest enemy. So you want to make sure that you are thinking good thoughts, that you are having good paradigms, you have good affirmations in your mind, right? Uh, you have good habits and et cetera. So yeah, personal That's development amazing. for sure. And then what about organizationally? What would you say as a leader um, in your organization would have been Maybe what's like one key thing you guys do organizationally that you feel, you know, if you didn't do it would have a serious impact on the business? Yeah. So something that comes to mind is, uh, you know, spending a lot of time with your top 20 percent. Um, I would say my first few years in leadership, I spent a lot of time on what what I call like the squeaky wheel. You know, people that really weren't producing a lot for the organization, but for whatever yeah. reason needed the most attention. And I, I've had to learn how to say no to those people and say, no, like, I'm sorry, I don't have time for that. Because I, I would say organizationally, I've I've pivoted a lot to spending the majority of my time with my key leaders. Uh, like, these are the guys I'm, I'm in meetings with the most. These are the guys that I will gladly take any phone call for. Like, there's, there's some times where, like, a, a low producer will call me and I, I'll hit him with an auto reply. I'll just say, hey, I can't talk right now. Can you text? Because what I've discovered is a lot of the times – what could have been literally a three-minute text conversation, if I if I allow them to speak, it turns into an hour-long conversation, oh. and it's just a lot of my time. It's just a lot of my time. So yeah. I've had to learn how to identify the people that rightfully earn my time, and then with that, you know, having meetings with these people, and uh, also you know not being afraid to tell them what they need to hear. That was also another. I mean, I don't know if you call it a habit, but um, really more in the last eight, eight months to a year. Uh, I've made a pivot and and how I lead in the sense of I'm no longer afraid to tell people what they want to hear. For a long time, I was. I kind of sugarcoated the truth sometimes because, and it stemmed from a fear of, oh, if I tell them what I want to say, what if I offend them? And then if I offend them, what if they just go quit? Or Because in a commission-only job, right, you can quit, right? Like, yeah. like nobody, I, I can't hold a salary over their head, right? Because also my guys, they clearly know they can, they can go find work somewhere else. Unfortunately, we're, we're like, or not unfortunately, but Legacy is not the only, so, Legacy is not the only yeah. solar company. So all my guys, I mean, even, even myself, like I can go find work somewhere else, right? There's definitely not a lack of work in solar. So with that said, I was afraid that if I, if I told people the truth, that they would uh, leave me, right? Or that they wouldn't like me. And it was really more fear of man, and and that that's what that's where it was coming from. So I made the pivot actually of you know like speaking a truth, but also with love, right? Because if you have truth but no love, then you kind of come off as an as an a hole, right? Yeah. But if you also yeah. speak love but not truth, then you lose respect in people as well. So I made that pivot, and it's actually helped the organization grow. And uh, if anything, it's actually helped me earn the love and the respect of my people because they know that I don't beat around the bush. They know that, hey, I tell it how it is. And it works both ways, right? It's not just me. They also they also then tell me now, they they, they also tell me the truth now, right? Even if yeah. it may hurt me. Yeah. Uh, and it's created for just great synergy in the organization. So I'm not sure Come if on. you would call that a habit, but it yeah, is. Yeah, it's a habit. You made, you made a habit. We have, yeah. yeah, we have daily, I'm sorry, weekly meetings 
with the core leadership and uh, in these meetings, we, hey, we say what we need to say. It's not, we're not all dancing around like what we want to say. Yeah. Oh, that's brilliant. Yeah. The ability to have trust all the way across the board in a team is, as you've seen, makes a massive difference. So, um, yes. and that's why you guys are growing because people trust that you're going to give them exactly what they need to hear so they can grow. Coming in the last few questions, what has been the number one book, resource, course that's helped shape your philosophy as, uh, as a leader? Number one book, got to give credit, the Bible, first and foremost, for yeah. sure. Yeah. That one will teach you something. That one will teach you so much. Um, another book that really helped shape uh, really my life is a, is a book called The, the Alchemist. Um, I read it in the first time in, I believe, 2015, and I've read it a few times since then. And I love it because it, it's a story. Like, I, I definitely enjoy books more when they're stories. Yeah. Um, but, but not just like, not like a Harry Potter one, but more of like a story, but with a good meaning there, right? So, um, and, you know, if you, I'm not going to give away the book, but... An alchemist is somebody that can pretty much take nothing and make it into something, right? Like uh, back in the day in the 1600 or something, if you were an alchemist, you were somebody who could literally take like normal metals and somehow transform it into gold, right? And gold in those times and even today was perceived of very high value. So that's what an alchemist is. That's the analogy is somebody that can turn nothing into something. And this yeah. book really helped yeah. me understand that everything I want in life is actually within reach. And that's one of the core message of the book, you know, that all of us, I think we're seeking for, you know, so all of us want to be loved, seen, and heard, right? Those are some of our core fundamental needs, right? And we think that we're going to find these things in money. We think we're going to find it in status. We think we're going to find it in our spouse, in our kids. And, you know, hey, when I make this much money, hey, when I'm, when I have this car, like we think that that's where we'll have it. And the, the, the book, The Alchemist, it's a great story. And again, I don't want to ruin the plot. This guy, Santiago, goes on this journey to find the alchemist. And pretty much one of the core messages is that he realizes that, wow, everything I've actually been seeking for is within my reach. It's literally within me. It's just a matter of opening your mind and seeing that, seeing mm. that you could create the life that you want to create, that you are, you don't have to wait until this happens. And that really helps shift my perspective. It really, it's really helped ground me and help me understand that happiness is a choice, right? Yeah. Joy is a choice, right? It's not something that comes and goes. I get to choose if I want to be happy. Now, whether I have a lot of, whether I have a lot of money in my bank account or not, that's, doesn't matter, right? I can, me and my wife can have a big fight and I can still choose to be happy. Yeah. I can still choose yeah. to look at that as, Hey, either I can look at it as, okay, was today a bad day or was actually today a character building day, right? There's a, there's a difference. So that book really helped shift my perspective on just knowing that I'm in control of my life. I'm in control of my attitude. And ultimately, I'm in control of what I want to create in this world. Yeah. I love that book. That's such a good one, man. The Alchemist. It's such, a, such an OG, but a good one. Yes. All right. Three most influential people who have shaped who you are today. Three more. So first, I would say my wife, for sure. Yeah. I love her to death. Uh, she has been a rock. We've been married. We just celebrated two years, actually, this past Sunday. Uh, we on. dated for, we've been dating for about four years, but we talked through Instagram for like three years before that. So like, we like to say we've known each other for seven years, uh, yeah. but four of those years we dated and then married two years. 
But no, yeah, I would say for her, um, definitely, you know, for the men listening, actually really for women too, I, I do believe who you marry is very, very important. Uh, you yeah. have to understand that. I think a lot of people marry for the wrong reasons sometimes. They marry for the looks, you know, but you have to understand the looks uh, will eventually fade, right? But someone's character will be with them forever. So yeah, yeah, so my wife, she has really been a huge pivotal point in my life. She has been there for me. She has challenged me. Definitely be with somebody who challenges you, right? Again, going back to the whole speaks the truth and yeah. is not afraid to yeah. offend you. So, uh, yeah, so my wife, uh, second person that I can think of is Colin Hagenbottom. Um, he Best. was what I like to call one of my first mentors. Um, he, I see him as a father as well. Um, he's been a, a, a father in business, a father in, in, in my spiritual life. Um, and he's really one of the first persons that when I started entrepreneurship that, that saw the gold in me and, and, and he pulled it out, you know, and, and call, if you, anyone that knows Colin, He's a very well-established entrepreneur, runs a very successful construction company that does multiple millions in revenue a year. Um, and, and he saw gold in me when I had no accomplishments before I am who I am today. So, uh, and he's been there for me too as well in, yeah. in, in yeah. some of my, my, my low periods. And then another person that has inspired me as well, you know, it's a handful of people, but, you know, I think of people like John Heinrichs. Yeah. Pastor Jurgen Metesius, people that believe me. You, Alex, you have also been influential in my life. As you have been in my Alex, Alex was also one of my, you know, disciples, uh, or not disciples, sorry. He discipled me and my Christian faith as well. And, you know, so Alex, I would put you in that category of someone who has been influential in my life as well. Thanks, bro. Definitely goes both ways, man. Definitely goes both ways. All right. Last question. And this is an important one. What would you say is the number one most important piece of advice that you would give someone who is like you, where they had the vision, they had the dream in their mind, and they're going for it, but it hasn't clicked yet? What would you tell them to do? I believe in this life principle, and it's so true. And I would say my advice to them is be faithful with what you do have. You know, there's a saying, uh, it's in the Bible, it says, if you can be faithful with a little bit, then you can be faithful with a lot. But if you can't be faithful with a little bit, then you won't be faithful with a lot. Mm. And a lot of times when we start our journey, we compare our chapter one to somebody else's chapter 10. And that robs us really of our joy. Right. Because we don't know, like you, you may be looking at somebody who's established, right? You look at a Jeff Bezos and you're like, wow, he's on, he's on a chapter a million, but you, you weren't there during his chapter one, right? You weren't there when Amazon was just operating in the garage. You don't know the struggles that he went through, the rejections, the, the mental battles that he had to fight. But I will tell you one thing, Jeff Bezos was faithful with what he had back then. And then Amazon grew and then he became faithful with that. And then it grew and then you yeah. became faithful with that. Right. You know, so, and yeah. I think, I think a lot of people right away, they want to be given a lot right away, mm -hmm. right away. They're like, I, I want a hundred thousand dollars. I want a million dollars. I want to be, I, I, I want to lead a team of 50 guys, a hundred guys they, right away. They, they want a lot, but you have to ask yourself, well, am I even being faithful with what I do have, even though it may seem nothing because at the most basic level the, the one thing that you are going to, the one thing that you, the one person you are, you do have to lead is yourself. So you have to yeah. ask yourself. So even if you have nothing, even if you have no income, you have no team, whatever, right? On whatever journey you're on, ask yourself, am I even being faithful with myself? 
because I do believe that it is a universal principle. It is a universal law like gravity, right? We don't deny gravity. We know it's there. That if you can show that you're faithful with whatever you have, you have to believe the more will come. So for anyone on this journey, just know that. Be faithful. Like, ask yourself, what do I have, okay? Number one, find joy in that, okay? Even if it may seem, maybe if it doesn't seem like much, but then be like, cool, how can I be faithful? And I believe the true definition of faithfulness is multiplication. So ask yourself, okay, if right now you're only leading yourself, okay, great. How can I multiply myself? How can I get 1% better? How can I be better tomorrow than I am today, right? If you're leading one person, okay, Cool. How can I then be faithful with this person? How can I multiply this person to two people? If you lean two people, great. How can I multiply two into four, four into eight, eight into 16, 32, and so on and so forth? So be faithful with what you got. Stop comparing yourself to somebody else's chapter 10, chapter 20, chapter 50. Okay. Look at, be aware of where you're at and then be like, great, I'm going to, I'm going to be faithful. And how can I multiply what I do have? Come on, faithfulness with what you have. Everyone can do that. That's an action step right now. Well, John, this has been absolute gold. I know there's gonna be plenty of people that want to connect with you after this. So how can we as a community support you connect with you? What's the best way to do that? Yeah. So I'm uh, sure Alex knows I'm huge on Instagram. Love Instagram. Yeah. Uh, so you can find me at the general John. So J- J-O-N, not J-O-H-N, but the General John, all one word. Uh, that's my brand, General John. General John. Uh, and uh, yeah, you can connect with me there. You'll you'll see my my family. I post a lot about everything. You know, my, my family, my my wife, my kid, my solar, my Tesla Plaid. I love my Tesla Plaid. It is the fastest production car in the world, zero to sixty in one point nine. So you'll see me post on there Come as on. well. Uh, but yeah, so that's where you can connect with me, John Soriano. I'm not on Twitter. Twitter sucks anyways, but uh, I'm not on <laughs> Facebook. I mean, I am on Facebook. In case you're curious about John's opinion yeah, about Twitter. Yeah, I love it. Well, follow John on, on Instagram. If you got anybody that needs solar, you know where to go. At General yeah. John and uh, at the General John, excuse me. But John, love you. Thank you so much for being with us, man. Absolutely honored to have you here. I know everyone thank you. Uh, is gained a ton of value from listening today. So uh, thank you everybody for listening. Stay tuned for the action after episode to learn how to implement this stuff into your life. But thanks again, John. And uh, we'll talk to everybody soon.